0: You are now listening to The Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into the journey of their lives, the ups, the downs, the doubts, the fears, how they get through it all and got to where they are today. It's called Claim It because I believe that our feelings of joy, of worth, of success, of being enough are not out there somewhere. Once I do this, be this, have this, then I will feel this. Nope, it's an inside job. It's up to us to claim it for ourselves each and every day. On today's episode, we have Paul Fishman, a self love coach. He's a recovering people pleaser, an amateur drag queen, and a you do you activist. So, you can tell we have a lot in common, but also we have much different stories and paths. And I loved getting to know what made him become a self love coach and what that is like in the day to day. So, let's get into the episode.
1: Okay. So, Paul, you currently, your life's work is all about self love. Yes. Correct? Yes. So for me, someone who's also in the business of (laughs) empowering people, inspiring people, then I feel like anybody who's making their life work be about serving others and self-love means that they've likely had some big story life happening themselves that Mm -hmm. made them be like, oh, all right, this, I need to be telling other people (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) they got to do this. So was there... One moment or memory moments, like where it came to you that you were like, I have to be promoting self-love, telling you about self-love, sharing about self-love.
2: Yes. And I feel like I have a new moment every single day.
1: Right, exactly. Once you like, because it never ends. It's not like cool self love figured it out. (laughs) Figured
2: it out. Love myself. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm never gonna try again. I'm just like everything's gonna be great
1: forever and ever now Mm -hmm. that I decided I love myself.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so it started uh, around ten years ago.
1: Ten years ago. Ten
2: years ago was when I had my like self love aha moment.
1: And what was your life like at the time?
2: At the time, so I was living in New York City. I was working retail. I had just gotten a promotion to uh, a new position in at a at a store. I was working for Louis Vuitton.
1: Okay, so it, like pretty high end. Yeah, high end
2: retail. High-end retail <laughs> uh, and, and I, is
1: that were you stoked? Were you like love fashion? Oh my god! I work at Louis Vuitton. I mean, I I,
2: I did, and I do love fashion. Yeah. I was uh, my struggle at the time was that I really wanted a particular position, and they were putting all of these roadblocks in my way that did not make sense. I was a perfect candidate. I wanted to be um, an an associate trainer for like to teach sales associates about the brand and how to sell new collections and travel across the country, going to different stores. And, and, uh, and that just like was not happening for me. So, but I was like that squeaky wheel. And so they kept on like moving me to new stores, giving me like new job because I was really good at what I did. But I was, I wanted more and I wasn't just going to. And gonna, they knew that. They knew that. They knew they you knew, wanted that job. They knew I wanted that job. I had applied for it. And it's just like, I, it, I mean, we, we could talk forever about <laughs> all of my qualms with not being seen the way that I know I was meant to be seen. But That's not the point of this, this story. The, the point of the story is that uh, I had, because of that moment, I had this wake up call and I was like, wow. I am fighting people to see me and they don't see me for who I am. And I see me for who I am. So what can I do differently? And this is like in retrospect, this is what I did. I had no idea this is what I was doing Mm -hmm. at the time. And uh, there were other things that were going on in my life that were not supporting the self-love moment. I was uh, in a relationship with a woman and was hiding my sexuality.
1: And does that mean like up until that time Mm -hmm. you had been in relationship with women? Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: Uh, I was terrified of stepping into my truth as a gay man because that would not align with the expectations that I thought other people had for me. So that was like, that's like the Mm -hmm. big issue in our day and age is that we have this idea or these stories we tell ourselves about what other people think we need to do. And then we live our life that way. Yeah.
1: Then we take them on as our own when we realize, wait, this isn't even what I want. This is just what my parents, my family, whatever. This is what everybody else is up to. This is what society tells me I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I should look like, do like, Mm -hmm. be like.
2: Yeah. And the reality is that, When I came out, everyone was like, okay, great. What's for dinner? And I was like, really? (laughs) Okay. You know? So it was a really painful time for me because I realized that I'd been sacrificing myself and toxically silencing myself for, for no reason other than my own fear. So how do I take this opportunity and continue stepping through this discomfort? Because all my body knew was the pain and the suffering that I was experiencing by keeping my truth silent and inside. So it just kind of like started this big catalyst of events for me. At the time, uh, I was then recruited by another uh, luxury retail brand to step into a role that was closer to what I wanted. Just because of that catalyst of me saying, "This is who I am. Take it or leave it," but I can't leave it anymore.
1: But so, when you said that and you saw that for yourself, what did that look like in 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 the like real world? Did you quit the job? Did you? It was just so. It was. I broke up workplace? with the
2: girl. Okay, you I, realized I, I re, like I came I, out.
1: I, okay, you did.
2: I um, found a community that was welcoming for me. I moved into uh, a home that what had two other humans in it who were basically like, you do you, boo. Like, we're, we're not going to push you to be anything or do anything other than what you want. And that was a very foreign concept to me. Mm. The idea that other people didn't have any expectation for me other than just like showing up for me. And when you find those types of people, it's so important to hold on to them. So that was like a big big time of my life where i was exploring and and because of that then the new job came rolling around i didn't quit i was just recruited and and you know in retrospect i look back and there was a recruiter that i'd been working with for nearly 4 years to find a new job and she then found this job for me and she was like hey they're looking for this i think this would be a great opportunity for you and then i got that job and then 16 months later i realized that oh this, this is the same shit, just a different color, you know, a different day, a, a different stink. So I, um, at that point I realized that I had to kind of just really shake up my own life. So I left New York city. I left the job. I moved back in with my parents, just do a complete reset. Um, Kind of masked it with this whole, like, I can't afford to live in New York anymore when it was really just like, I can't afford to continue going through this life, not knowing what I want. And, and are you willing to support me, mom and dad? So,
1: so let's go back. You got that job with a new company, which you thought was your dream Mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. And then. I'm guessing at first you're thrilled. Like, I fucking did it.
2: Yeah. I made it mean, Look at this. I I got a 30% salary increase. That was, for like a 26-year-old, that was insane.
1: And then you start to doing, I'm guessing at first you are excited about it and doing it. And then it starts to show up as like, oh, this thing that I always wanted, like, it's maybe not what I wanted. Was it again, like another expectation you meet other people created Mm -hmm. or you created for yourself? Like I have to want more, I have to want bigger or something. So like, maybe it's this job.
2: Yeah, it was, it, listen, a lot of my early years were spent trying to make my father proud of me. Um, and it's been very recent that I've released that desire for anyone to be proud of me, but me.
1: Yeah, it's a hard it's one. It's a hard one. Uh, I I'm um, every day almost. I will find myself, it's not every day, but let's say it's a weekly occurrence maybe, feeling like wanting other people to acknowledge me and validate me. But what I realize is even if somebody tells me exactly what I want to hear and they say it with such emotion and I can tell they really mean it, it usually doesn't mean anything to me unless I'm like feeling those things that right. I feel. It's like, Oh, it's you, Trisha, It's you again. That right. needs to be validating yourself and to seeing that you're proud of yourself and that you're enough and that you're worthy of these things that like, I think we are so often looking for everyone else to tell us we're enough that we're going the right way, successful, good job. But those can all feel very empty if you yourself are not
0: mm-hmm. claiming.
1: I mean, that's the reason the podcast is called claim it is yeah. that, we, we put it out there so often of like, once I do this, have this, be this, hear from other people, then I'll feel enough worthy this, but it's up to us every day,
2: every day. <laughs> to claim
1: it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh man. And it is, it is a constant battle to, it is. claiming it, you know, like right now, like a very real journey for me is like, I'm a self-love coach and I, uh, to my business is built on serving others and helping others. So that means people working with me and, and paying me to go through my program. And, and it's really hard for me when I can see so clearly how powerful my programming is to get on the phone with people or they're crying, I'm crying. And then they say no or they they let their fear step in the way. Right. And then I go into the spiral of, well, I'm not good enough. Then and, you can make uh, it be about right. you. They and, didn't
1: sign up because I'm not right. I'm not right, good enough. Right. This, or
2: it's just like the the lamest excuses come out of people's mouths right. why they can't do the work. And it's like not my job to convince them. However, it's really hard because yeah. I have worked with over 70 people and I know that. Those people, their lives have changed.
1: No, I get it. Yeah, it's like it's such a hard thing because you know you can't. This person has to convince themselves that they are worthy of doing the right. work, that their lives are going to change, and that like even if the money is a stretch, that it's going to be so worth it. Yeah. But you can't do that for them. And it's I like know. so seeing that. No, I totally get that.
2: So that's like a, a current day. R- Reckoning for me of just And it just like comes in waves you know There'll be weeks where it's just like everyone's a yes And it's fun and easy and then there'll be other Weeks where it's ghosting And it's you know Signing the contract and then within 24 hours, emailing in a panic and canceling and like all these things. And all I get to do is focus on what I currently have. And that for me has been a really massive shift in my self love journey is like knowing that, yes, at the time that I got that job, it was exciting. And it was something that really did fill me up and something that did mean a lot to me. And Just celebrating that was so important and is so important.
1: Yeah, that's something people don't celebrate when the big, oh my God, I wanted this for so long thing happened, then it just goes to what's next. Because again, I think that's more that people aren't validating or really loving themselves. And it's still living into that projection of what do other people think about me that we don't realize how often we are thinking, what do other people think about me? And that it becomes everybody else thinks this, but it's really our internal judgments of ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. that we're constantly making up. Everybody else is going to think this, like, right, you didn't want to come out for so long.
0: Mm-hmm. The fear
1: probably of not being accepted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you were accepted. Yeah. But it was your own judgments. Right. That were, And of course, that has got to be scary mm-hmm. that you don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, like that it's so often, it's just our own judgments of ourselves that are holding us back. Amen. Okay, go back to... <laughs> You lived a lot of your life pleasing your father. Yes, was that a relation, or because of the person that he was and how he raised you? You struggling with your sexuality, a bit of both, or? You know, it's
2: interesting because they never made me feel wrong for being me. It was it was all something that Mm. I internalized from maybe like the media or being bullied as a kid. And because I was the kid that played with Barbies. I was the kid that grew up running, like playing dress up with my mom in my mom's like dresses and like loved that so much. Loved dancing, loved singing, just love pink, still love pink. So
1: things that probably as a parent, you might be thinking, hmm, I Wonder if my right. son could be.
2: <laughs> right. And there there was never a moment where they made me feel wrong for expressing myself that way. I remember they let me wear a dress to preschool. That's like That's
1: great. That's and so amazing. Especially, especially back in the 80s. Then, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, so it's and like. And
1: for your father also, I feel like mothers can be more. Accepting of that. Well,
2: you know, and it's interesting because both of my parents were equally accepting there. And when I came out, I felt more comfortable coming out to my dad. Uh, So it was never the only thing that ever threw a wrench in my whole sexuality story and understanding was when I first started being made fun of and being called gay, I didn't know what that was. So I went to my dad and I was like, dad, people are calling me gay. What does that mean? And he said, well, this is what gay means. And I don't think you're gay. So though that statement really fucked me. So for a he long time. wasn't saying
1: it in even a judgmental way. He just said, I don't think you're gay. And so then that, you hung on to that for so long. I was so clearly long. gay.
2: Like, oh. and, and the thing is, is that- And maybe that was we, just
1: him not wanting to Right, and we've had then. a
2: conversation about, he was actually on my podcast and we talked all about it. All
1: oh, right, we'll have to link that episode. Yeah,
2: episode 19, I think, okay. of the road to self-love. And um, it, was, it was this where he was just trying to protect me. Yeah. Because and so he was like, Well, if I can I can tell this boy that he's not gay, maybe it'll keep him from any pain. Mm. And I mean, in actuality, it really led me down to a lot more pain. But I also know that if I hadn't have experienced it the way I had, I wouldn't be where I am today and I wouldn't be able to change so many lives and have such an impact. Because this is a huge part of my story. And um
1: No, I get that.
2: And, And I don't think that my dad did anything wrong. I just he did exactly what he thought was right. And I can't be upset with him. Of course, I've done a lot of work to move through my anger or feelings of frustration around my relationship with my father and my parents and how they treated me. But all I all I know is they're human and they're doing their very best. Yeah. That's all they can do is their best. And and in this lifetime. You know, they had never dealt with having a a gay child before I was their oldest, their firstborn, And, you know, like they didn't have anyone to model this after. All they had was the the fear of like the AIDS epidemic to to keep them from.
1: Yeah, it was
2: just like that was their biggest concern when I came out. They were like, we don't want you to die. And like that is like a lot of like media medias um you know a lot of conditioning a fear mongering that it like n- non truths like i I dated a guy who was positive and we were in a very serious relationship, and like that was a massive learning lesson for me as well, you know, like being in a relationship with someone who is just so made to feel wrong for and stigmatized yeah so like being able to be in that relationship be safe protect myself and and come out of that relationship without having gotten hiv like that for me is another piece of my story that i don't talk about a lot but it's like really important because i stepped into it and was blinded by love because there was massive infatuation with this guy and I was so terrified when he told me. I didn't know. But then I gave myself the opportunity to educate. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think anybody, because that's, it is a life-threatening disease. Mm-hmm. And it can be, what? Uh, why can I think of the word transferable?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but it's like that, That's we are made to be afraid of that. And I can't even imagine, yeah, living with HIV. And these days you can do it for so long. Yeah. And so long, but we are made to be like, oh my God, like pariah, mm-hmm. don't touch them, come near them. And right. like what, besides the fact they're living with a life-threatening disease, then like the fear of what other people yeah. and how other people are going to treat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine that. And you are saying like accepting your parents and the compassion and also going back to when you're thinking about your clients and when they're not signing up and all of that, you know. I think that too, like once you, the more self-love and self-acceptance and self-compassion that you have, then it happens naturally for everybody else. So that that's for me that like, I, you know, when a client doesn't sign up, it can feel like heartbreaking for them, not for my bank account, Mm -hmm. which, but of course, like, yeah, like if you're making your business off that, then sometimes, yeah. But, but then it's also seeing like, I get it, you get, being in that struggle of like wanting to change your life, but also the fears of what if it doesn't work out and the spending money that I can too can look back at things and ways my parents treated me or, said to me or tried to shape my life when I was growing up. And so much of it is love through fear that they think that they are doing what's best for you and trying to protect you. So people, your parents will talk you out of your biggest dreams because they're not safe. They could talk you out of your sexuality because they're safe because they want to protect you because they don't want your life to be any harder than it yeah. has to be. And that so many times it's like, yeah, like people are, do a lot where it actually, the root is love, even though it doesn't,
0: Seem like it. Mm-hmm. It's me, Tricia, bringing you a little interruption because I want to know: Do you have my daily inspiration app yet? It's called Own Your Awesome. It's available in the Google Play and the Apple App Store. You can type in Own Your Awesome or Your Joyologist. It has hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. It's sort of like a digital deck on your phone. You can kind of use it like a magic eight ball too come to it at any time, see what card comes up, hit show me a card. You can hit a favorite, easily share from it. You can also inside the app set daily reminder time. So every day at the same time, you'll get a reminder to go check the app and pull your dose of inspiration. Uh, So I just opened the app and I got, I am here now. What has already happened, happened. What will happen, will happen. I am here now. Ah, that's a nice thought. And I'm going to hit show me a card again. I give up being right. I give up making others wrong. There is no one right way. So you can see there's all sorts of topics. Right now, I got another one. You get to choose what you believe is impossible. You get to choose what you believe is possible. Feel free to change your views. Hundreds of thoughts, hundreds of affirmations in the palm of your hand. It's so affordable. It's like less than a coffee these days. 3 dollars No other fees ever. No ads and cards get added all the time. So go get it. Own your awesome. So let's go to, you moved to San Diego. Mm-hmm. You don't know
1: what you're going to do. Mm-mm. You've just given up mm-hmm. your dream life.
2: Or at least I thought at, it was my yeah, dream Yeah. What you
1: thought was your dream life.
2: So, so what do you do? What do I do? And so how I do you
1: get to the place of <laughs> self-love coach?
2: Yeah. So I moved back in with my parents at that time. I was 20, uh, 28. No, I just turned 29.
1: Which I, ha- that has to be like a huge thing to be like, okay, I'm going to stop this job. I'm going to do this. And then let me go move back in with my parents. Like, did you have to like get through your head? Like, this is okay. I'm allowed to do this. Does it mean like, I'm going backward in life. Yeah. What are people going to think of me? I'm moving back in with my parents. Because yeah. a lot of, again, what are people going to think about me mm-hmm. comes into play.
2: It really, like, for me, it was the only thing I could do. I had no other option. I, I'd i gotten to the point where I realized that I was not the type of person that could ever feel fulfilled building someone else's dream. And really, that's what working for someone else is. Yeah. You're building their dream. And that's not wrong, but for me, it did not feel good. So I moved back in with my parents and my father had always, my father is in the wholesale organic food space and he was always interested in creating a retail um, e-commerce portion of his business. So I moved home with the idea that we were going to launch this e-commerce business together. And that in itself was such a whirlwind of, you know, working with my father, living with my father. Uh, It was a disaster. (laughs) I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about communication. Uh, I found my my therapist through all of that, which like, I'm so grateful for her. Um, However, it was a tumultuous time that I don't want to talk too much about, but what I do know is that like what they say is true, working with families really hard. And it's really important to know that going into it, because it's just like, I wouldn't really wish it on anyone. If you can do something different, like, and I am projecting my personal experience onto this <laughs> advice, but if you can do something different, like consider doing it because you have, it has, it takes a very special type of human to be able to Work with the family and not in like crumble under the pressure. And this whole idea of nepotism, you know, like I was almost treated less, uh, like the as the least valuable person on that team because I was my father. You just son. have
1: a job because you yeah. needed to move home, and right. your dad gave you a job, right,
2: and that's really, how, I mean, that's what they, right, that's everybody. what they see, and r- the reality is, is that. You all know that I was the most valuable (laughs) human in that room. But, um, you know, and it was just like a constant learning, a constant lessons that my father was trying to teach me and in front of everyone. And it was just really painful for me. And I'm glad I learned all those lessons. I really am. Uh, And I really wish that it didn't have to happen that way, but it did. So um,
1: how long did you stick with that then? I
2: was there for a little over a year. Uh, you know, and learned so much about the digital space, about you know, social media, like, about well, launching stuff that a business. Then might have helped you yeah, then yeah. create your own. Business. Yeah, so I learned much different so much, and then I um, I stepped into the fitness space. I was a personal trainer, nutrition coach, spin instructor,
1: and what. Led you to that. Just you start working on your own fitness. yeah, oh, I can do yeah, this. and this
2: was a journey that I was going um was in in New York City. I fell in love with Spin. And right before I moved home, I uh, got certified to teach. And my parents live in Valley Center, which is like forty-five minutes northeast of the city of San Diego. Not a spin studio in sight. Yeah,
1: I'm like, I feel like I know of Valley Center. It's yeah. pretty like farmish. It's very
2: farmish. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it it is a farm. We live on a okay. farm. And uh which also moving from New York to a farm was yeah,
0: much, different.
2: much different. So I um there was a studio that opened up in La Jolla that I came across and I took a class and uh, my boyfriend at the time who's now my husband um, pushed me to talk to the owner. And he was like, Paul, go talk to Stephanie. You, you, she, she, I feels like she might need some help here. and, I said, hey, are you hiring or looking for instructors? And she looked at me like, yeah, I want to hop on the podium right now and then teach three songs to me. And I was like, okay, mind you, I'd already showered. And so I put my sweaty clothes back (laughs) on from the class I'd just taken and got up on the podium and just like, Gave my, gave him my that all. That seems
1: to me, I would have been scared out of my mind to be like on the spot. Let me think. I
2: results. mean, I, I love to perform. It, <laughs> okay. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that like, I'm all about a dance party moment. And that's basically what being in spin is. <laughs> you instructor were just is. like,
1: all right. I got, but I mean, were you immediately like, I got this or were you like, all right, buck up. Like, I want this. So I will make it happen. It like, was, did you have to give yourself yeah. a little pep talk? I mean,
2: probably. <laughs> yes. All I remember is I'm putting these sweaty clothes back on after <laughs> showering. So it. It's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Uh, and I remember, when I oh, walked, you were
1: like, if I have to put these sweaty clothes on, then I am like, this yeah, is gonna yeah. be a done deal. So
2: <laughs> I so I did my best, and they said to me, well, we love your personality. Uh, you need a little bit of training, and you know, long story short, I ended up being a part of that studio for 4 years and was voted number 1 trainer in La Jolla for oh, wow. 2 years in a row and class Which La Jolla and, is
1: like the the fancy yeah, San Diego yeah, area Yeah
2: so uh got a lot of accolades for that and then uh we're getting to when I transitioned to become a, a Well uh, I mean
1: I get that's because these days and I'm guessing if it's there's different type of spin classes but if it's modeled after this sort of like the soul cycle method, yeah. then, right, then that is a lot of empowering people on the bike, yeah. like dance party. But it not all so teachers do that. But were you starting to then sort of bring empowerment into the classes so much empowerment
2: yeah. so much just like
0: you know i mean
1: i remember i got into spin and then i was like i think i need to be a spin instructor just because
0: like i love exercise i'm like i want to i empower people cool i'm gonna be a soul yeah. instructor. yeah I didn't, I didn't go down that path but i was like i get where you're at yeah
2: and class. it was it was just like the best of both worlds it was like i get to work out i get to perform because i'm a performer um in my heart. Like I love performing. And, and so I got to be up in front of people, put on a show and the endorphin rush. I mean, it was amazing. I was teaching 11 classes a week. I was thriving. Uh, I was recruited by another studio and just like paid a very amazing amount of money to be their like head instructor and open up their, their studio for them. And like, I was making the same amount of money that I was making in New York City,
1: working for the working, high end.
2: working for, as a spin instructor. And I was like, oh, okay. I see you universe. Thank you for giving me this gift. And then it all started to crumble because, you know, my body could only handle so much of that. And, uh, I was, I was sitting with a personal training client and it was an early morning and she had been going through a pretty tough divorce. And she was dating this guy that she really she really liked. And she said to me, Paul, I just need to lose three more pounds. And then I think that he's gonna finally say, choose me, you know? And then at that moment I had like this like kind of like reckoning. And like all of the clients that I'd helped and am helping, like flashed in my eyes and realized that every single person who was doing this, like ninety-nine point nine percent of them were doing it for external validation. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't to do with what they truly wanted and almost in like the blink of an eye, I realized that I didn't want to be, a personal trainer anymore. I said we have to get to the root of this issue and it's self-love. If you're not doing it for you, it's not going to stick and you're not going to be able to to make the change. Regardless of what that change is, whether you want to lose weight or you want to find the partner of your dreams or get a new promotion or launch your business or, you know, move or whatever it is, if you're not doing it for you, and moreover, if you're doing it cuz you're running away from something, then that is going to be, it's, it's not ever going to feel good. So within what felt like weeks, I had started to transition my business and launched my program. I was on a flight to, um, where were we going? Puerto Vallarta for a friend's wedding. And I had my journal and my 12 week program just like fell out of me on this hour and 15 minute flight. And I remember getting my first client. I was one week ahead of her in like filming the modules for my course and like creating the workbook. I was one week ahead of her and I was just like, I just got to do this. I just got to do this. And I mean, there's so many other pieces of that business launch and like hiring a business coach and then realizing two weeks into hiring the business coach that like it was the worst decision I ever made, (laughs) that it was not aligned, but also like that was the, that was the lesson that I had to learn and to trust what I had inside of me already. And like, yeah, being able to speak for to my, to my strengths. And, and I mean, I did, it's not the worst decision I ever made, but like, it was definitely like a lot of money that I didn't have and caused some stress in my relationship as well, because I spent $5,000 on a business coach and then, and did not speak to my husband about it. I was just like, I got to do this. I, and I'll tell him later. And I, I told him 12 weeks later because I was so terrified. Right. And, and yeah, there was some, some, issues that arose from that, some trust stuff. And like, and, uh, would I have done it differently? Probably not because knowing a lot of learning there's, in that. there's a lot of learning and also like just knowing that I had to just step through that. And my, the, the beauty of my husband is he is very financially conscious and very financially savvy and is very like, into planning, and I am the complete opposite, as I feel sometimes you have to be to be a successful <laughs>
1: entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, me and my partner are similar. Yeah. I'm like, what? Make money, spend money, make money. It'll all work out. There's money. It's all working out. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so here I was, just like launching this business, flying by the seat of my pants, still at teaching. at that point,
1: okay, that's what I was going to say. So teaching. you're still teaching right. spin. spin
2: and Pilates and personal training. Oh, my goodness. Just to like make ends meet. And
1: Well, also, I'm, those are probably likely good potential clients as well. Because they're already, like, know you and coming to, and then you can be like, hi, as much weight as you lose, how in shape you are, you still got some things to work on.
2: Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, believe it or not, none of those, I, none of those clients actually turned into my clients.
1: Oh, Uh, I can see that too.
2: There, it was just because they're the. We're they're just
1: stuck in their, no, like, this no,
2: is I'm just gonna continue not ready going to spin. Shape,
1: change their beliefs, That's enough which for me. you can go to spin. Yeah. It's like, well, why are you going? Right. Are you going because I go to spin three to five times a week because then I can fit in these pants and then I can eat that cake or I can have this much wine or then I'll be more followers or I'll get that influencer account or what else are people thinking these days? Then the guy's going to ask me to marry him or that, or are you going to spin because it makes you feel amazing. (laughs) You get empowered by it. It makes your brain work better. It releases stress. It's like the, why are you doing the things like spin and exercise and fitness and wellness and taking care of yourself aren't bad, but it's like, well, why are you doing the things?
2: Yeah, It's true why are you doing the things that's um that's the underlying messaging that and I
1: have, so these are things I have to ask myself like all the time every day again like all yeah. this self-love stuff is an everyday, every day yeah. every moment job
2: yeah. yeah yeah and and that so I launched my business and and worked really hard part-time on it or like really full-time for seven months and then what I remember I was on the floor crying because I was so tired. I was so wired and tired. Like the thing about being uh, in the fitness industry is like your adrenals, regardless of what you do are shot because you're always on and then you're exercising way more than is physically really good for you. Like, I don't think that doing 11 spin classes a week is healthy for anyone, you know, like uh, it's not sustainable. So I was looking at my, my bank account and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to continue doing this to make this amount of money. What if instead I just left and put my whole heart and soul into my uh, coaching business? And this was like a really difficult conversation to have with my financially savvy right. planning husband. And I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who go through this, this struggle that you have, like convincing your significant other or your partner that like, I got to take a risk here. So.
1: Oh, it's huge. Cause it's not like you want them to believe fully in you and to be so supporting this idea and this passion that you have within you. But at the same time, it's so risky. You don't know. You don't know how fast you're going to earn money, no matter how amazing you are, how brilliant your ideas of whatever it is that you're doing. that it's like, it is. It's so, it's so hard. Yeah. I think it's like so hard to believe in yourself. And sometimes for me, it's hardest for me to like open up to my, the people that are like supposed to like love me the most or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Because then the fears, like how they relate their love can show up as a fear. Yeah. And then makes me doubt myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: or hold grudges and resentment mm-hmm. against them mm-hmm. or both. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Or all of the above.
1: <laughs>
0: and a, more profound emotions. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it it turned into me just having to take the leap and we got on the same page and 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 so here I am, uh, a year and a half later. Uh, after taking my business full time.
1: So that was like, you had that conversation and then like, all right, no more spinning, no more yeah. teaching.
2: Yeah. And I slowly weaned myself off of it. Yeah. Um, And I mean, it was the best thing that I could have ever done for myself and for the family because I was, you know, I was making a decent living. However, like, the studio that I told you about basically went out of business because they probably were paying me too much. And then the other studio that, you know, I primarily taught at, they were going through growing stuff. And, you know, as an instructor, you get paid by the number of people who show up. So regardless of how much I was doing, there was only, you know, there was only so much that I could make because there. The market had become so saturated. When I first started teaching, we were the only studio of our kind in San Diego. So people were driving from all over. And then that's our studio expanded to two studios. So then the clientele that was just coming to one was split between two. And yeah, the studio is making the same amount of money because they have now more clients, but they only have to pay out the amount of people that come to us. So it was just like a a roller coaster. And I was like, once again, not not being able to control my dream and build my own dream. So I, I left and, and there are some times where I just miss the ease of going in, putting on a show and then walking out.
1: Or like, I guess in that you don't always know how much money you're going to make, but like, I for sure have had over the years, the struggle with like, maybe I just go get like a some version of a real job. And so I know how much money yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make each month. Cause Yeah. It can be a story. I mean, that was, I have two, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So like, and I was like, I want to be a stay at home. So I sort of like backed off from like one-on-one coaching. And that's when I started doing products. Cause like I can do products and not be giving my time like to people. This will work, but obviously products, you have to invest money (laughs) in that. So there's other things, but yeah, just that like when, then when I was like, okay, I really like feel lit up. I want to offer my group coaching programs again. I want to be working one-on-one with people again. Like I really am missing that. The fear of, How can I pay for a babysitter, pay for them to go to daycare preschool when I don't know if I'm going to make money again? So it's like I have throughout me going through creating my own business too. It's like gone through different layers as I'm doing different Mm -hmm. things. And there's always that fear of like, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know if people are going to say yes and pay the things. And so you have to show up every day and be investing money in yourself and your business. And you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. What has your journey with like that been? And like you were already talking of like even the clients, like, yes, yeah, so you have a good week and then a bad week. And like, how does does that affect you? And like, what do you do like mentally? Do you start to ever like doubt what you're doing or go into like, maybe I need to offer this just because people will say yes? Like, cause I think too, when you're talking about investing in that business coach that wasn't for you, I think these days it's very much easier to build your own business an entrepreneur, but also can be harder because there's so much more information out there of what you should do. Mm-hmm. You should hire a business coach and you should do this and you mm-hmm. should invest this and mm-hmm. you should create this. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know the stuff cause I like don't pay attention. There's probably a lot of other things I could be doing to make money, but they just don't work for me. Like create this, whatever system of where they're constantly getting the emails and then paying for the ads. Like there's so much information on there. This is what you should do yeah. that. It can be confusing. What do I want to do? What feels right for me? Maybe hiring a business coach is not a bad idea, but maybe you have to like explore more, which is for you. Or like that same thing of the doubts of who am I to start a business, to do mm-hmm. this, to tell people to love themselves. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there are definitely ups and downs. The thing, the only thing that I know to be true is that you know, I have a team now, and uh, what I found.
1: And then, well, how about that? With too, with even hiring other people, mm-hmm. was that a struggle to be like?
2: Um, oh, So the first the first person that I hired was my graphic designer, who helps just m- with my podcast designs and and but she's been a par- really
1: cool artwork. For
2: Thank this. you so much. <laughs> um, and she has been a part of my brand since day one. Since when I hired a company to help me build my website, she was the designer on the other side, and I didn't know like I wasn't ever communicating with her, but then she reached out to me on Instagram and was like, Hey, just so you know, I'm a freelance and I love your brand so much. I would love to work with you. So, so those over the course of two years of us, two, two, almost three years of, of us being in contact, like her rates have almost doubled. Like she, her business has grown. So it's like. Uh, it's cool to see how far we've come from her invoices to me being $94 to now being like a thousand dollars a month. And I'm just like, okay, wow. You know, like all I know to be true is that when you are doing something you love and you have decided to support others supporting you, the universe will always take care of you. I have to trust that or I will go crazy. (laughs) Like I have to trust and it's without fail. They'll like, January was a tough month for me because you would, everyone's busy investing in other things or the, and this month has been really great for me. But the struggle in January is that I launched a brand new offer that I was so excited about and it didn't do as well as I was planning or hoping or dreaming or all the things I mean. And, but I still was able to pay all of my people. I was still able to pay my rent. I was still able to do all of the things. Yes maybe there was one sleepless night in there, but that's really just because there's some communication boundaries that my husband has created set around my financial financials and my business that he just doesn't want to know because he is just a neurotic person.
1: That it would, like, it, it would, would be yeah, like so churning.
2: So like sometimes there's this feeling of, I don't have anyone to talk to about it. Um, but I like, I hired my associate coach and I talked to her about it, yeah. but now my associate coach just had to um quit on Monday because she has to be a mom full time. And she was putting too much of her time into the business, which is fine. Like, I understand that, but it's like, what is the universe trying to teach you here, Paul? You know, like, so what am I, what, what is my bigger lesson and my bigger like learning here? And I'm still like struggling with the true under the why underneath this constant Lesson that I'm learning, or the suffering that I continue to go through in my business, which is like not ever feeling like fully, fully there. Are, like, there are amazing months I have, but that entrepreneurial roller coaster never gets easier. Yeah. And, um, and I'm fine ro- riding it. Like, I have fun doing it. Like, uh, <laughs> but is that ever going to stop? You know,
1: probably not. Well, I think that yes and no. And it's probably just like you hit. Less low lows, probably like there'll probably always be a highs and lows, but like less low lows, because again, you can catch yourself and see like, right, this is part of the journey. And like, that doesn't mean that people don't care about what I'm saying or the work that I'm doing isn't valuable. It's just like, that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) you (laughs) know, I that's just like in life too, like there's never going to be a point where there's never going to be a low You can have everything you've always wanted. Right. And you're still going to like get upset. Sadness is going to happen. Anger is going to happen. People are going to do shitty things to you. Yeah. That's fucking life, folks. (laughs) Uh,
2: Amen, sister. (laughs) It's
1: just like, and it's like, okay, you're allowed to feel it and be, okay. I think that that's what I've, I've noticed so many things, of course, but I think that people, when they, you know, start to be in their self-love journey, that people can be really hard on themselves and feel like they've fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like, if they go down into some sort of spiral or they have a dad dad day or they're sad or they're upset, then they feel like they messed up and they're never going to be good at the self-love thing. It's like, we're human. We're always going to, you know what? You're you're always going to judge people, but you can get quicker at seeing, oh, that's a bullshit judgment. Or like, why am I saying that? You're always going to judge yourself, but you get quicker at seeing, oh, this is me judging myself again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, like you're always going to like be living into these, hard things but you just get faster and faster at seeing what it is and then like allowing yourself to have the emotions and just like yeah this is life and I can love myself through this sadness through this judgment through this doubt whether Mm -hmm. it's coming from the outside world or inside my own mind where the hardest ones for me to get through are
0: yeah (laughs) I think most people
2: are Mm -hmm. amen
1: yeah that's what one of the phrases that's on the keychains in my line oh there it is I'm like did I not bring it is the only judge of me is me which can seem like, well, fuck you, everybody. The only judge of me is me, which it somewhat is. But it's also then seeing like, I probably need a different phrase I'm like for saying that. Um, what I realize is a judgment can only have power over me if it's something I believe to be true about myself. Mm-hmm. And we are so often, like I said early, like living into a judgment that we think other people will have of us. Right. And it's like, that's in your own head. But that sucks. But it's also cool because then you get to be the one that can be like, why do I believe that? What do I want to mm-hmm. believe about myself? Mm-hmm. Do I want to believe people will accept me if I come out and be gay? Mm-hmm. Will I believe that people will hire me mm-hmm. to be a self-love coach? Yeah. <laughs> all the things. I just went on a big old tangent. <laughs> I'm like, that's what happens when you're like, you're talking to somebody that's in the same, <laughs> you know, trying yeah. to promote the same things as you. Um, all right. Anything else we want to get to before I get to the questions I ask everybody else? Any last statements you want to say about your or what you would say to anybody out there, whether they're struggling with that, maybe seeing like, oh, I'm working so hard to get this promotion and like, is that even what you want or... Mm anything, starting their own business.
2: You know, there are a couple of things that I've learned over telling my story is that a lot of people listen to my story and say, wow, that was some radical shit that he went through. Massive changes in his life. He came out, he moved across the country. He moved back in with his parents when he was almost 30. He worked with his dad. He did. He went through a lot of struggles. Is that what my self-love journey has to look like to for it to be valid? And I've had a Lots of clients take months, if not years, to apply for my program, and then they say, "Paul, I was so nervous to apply because I didn't think that my work was big enough. Like the work I had to do to love myself was enough. Because I heard your journey, and I just want you to know that if you're projecting your personal journey onto mine, or using mine as like the the defining factor of whether or not you're worth doing this work, uh, just like kick that." thought to the curb and also know that like if you're hearing this message you're you're hearing it for a reason whether that's to just know that you're not alone or to come in contact with a new voice in the self-love space who might be able to support you in growing and learning and becoming the best version of you but there are really no mistakes in this world and and I just want you to know that you are not alone and this message is for you. And um just thank you for lending us your ears for our very candid conversation about my journey and and where where it's led me. And and it was a little it was a little all over the place, but I think it was great.
1: That's how I tend to just have a conversation and, and go for it and <laughs> explore it. it all. Um and yeah, what you're saying, like, yeah, that's right. You might like I think that you don't have to be going through these big struggles that we are all just living with conditioning from the mm-hmm. society and so like it you might not think that you have these big hardships in life but you're likely living with a lot of conditioning that is not allowing you to love yourself fully because right. that's just how life is Amen <laughs> All right so first thing i ask everyone to pick a keychain or a phrase that they feel like they most want to be reminded of right now
2: mm. I mean, I love all of these. Let's see.
1: So it's not again. It might be like, an, one might be your favorite, but you might be like, "Oh, but I actually feel like that one." I need the reminder. To I see think, every day.
2: I think that the, um, I think let that shit go. All right. Yeah.
1: Why is that one speaking to you right now?
2: Because it's just like what I was talking about a little bit—the struggle of, um, of knowing that like not everyone is going to say yes. Not everyone is going to be able to show up the way that I know is going to be the best for them. Um fear is going to come up and all of that external noise. I just get I get to let that shit go.
1: Yes. Uh all right, what is a go-to that you do to raise your joy levels? Maybe you are in like You're going to go speak or be on a podcast. And I mean, you're just like in a different mode, like something to boost your joy. So you're like, Oh yeah, I'm stoked to be alive. Dance party. Dance party. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah. one of my go-to's, also. Mm,
2: I love it. It just like <laughs> makes me feel so good. Before any of my group calls or whenever I go live on Instagram, we always have a dance party at the beginning. Love it. No one might be dancing but me, but <laughs> the magic of that movement it gets me out of my head and into my body because my head is where all the the nonsense goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, I had this thought last year that became a post on my Instagram, and now I'm. Constantly asking myself this, and then I ask every guest is the thought is what is easiest for you is not always what is best for you, mm-hmm. which seems like duh. But we are so prone to do what's easy when we could be doing what's best. And what's best could be easy. It's just we're making it seem like it's hard. So, where can you apply that to your own life? What is easiest for me is to do blank. What is best for me is to.
2: What is easiest for me is to continue doing it the way I know it works. Uh, What is best for me is to always keep that in mind, but push myself and continue to grow and try new things because eventually I'll just get bored slash it gets stale and it stops working.
1: Yep. Pushing into that discomfort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Yep. All right, the last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It, which I already discussed, and it came up several times in our conversation sort of this idea of not putting something out there that it's not like once I have this, do this, be this, then he'll propose to me, Mm -hmm. then I'll feel enough. Mm -hmm. So, what are you claiming for yourself right now?
2: I am claiming that I am exactly where I'm meant to be, and I am changing the world, and that uh, my dreams can and will be mine.
1: Yes, love that. I love that so much. And that's a good one for everyone to repeat. I'll have to put that in my my outro as an affirmation Mm. (laughs) to repeat for back to yourself. All right. Thank you so much. And we will have links to all Paul's stuff in the notes.
2: Amazing. I'll see you on the gram fam.
0: (laughs) All right. I hope you Love that episode with Paul. You can find the full show notes and links at yourdryologist.com slash podcast, and you'll find all the episodes there. For more on Paul, you can find him at Paul Fishman. He's also at The Self Love Show, the podcast he is a host of. And uh, of course, you can find me at yourdryologist.com and at yourjoyologist please let us know what you think. Share the episode, tag us, send us messages. We love hearing from you. If you subscribe below and leave your review, send it to me. Screenshot the review and send it to podcast at com, and I'll send you a little thank you gift from my affirmation-based product line. Yeah, just like I have everybody pick a keychain. I have mugs, journals, wine glasses, magnets, all sorts of goodies with empowering affirmations, phrases, and sayings. I got something for everybody, you guys. got so fucking grateful. I got everything is going my way. You are enough. So many good ones. As always, I hope that you were able to relate to our stories somewhat, that they helped you see something in your own life. And um, I would love for you to think about today, what are you claiming for yourself right here in this moment? And let me know share it on social. Send me a DM at your geologist. What are you claiming right
2: now?